Deb Smith, and you're listening to Rights, Rorts and Rants on 89.1 in Blue Mountains. And shall I start Workers' yeah, News? Yeah, you've got some union news for yeah, us. Yeah, so um, of... I've changed the name to Workers' News because I have trouble getting my mouth around union news. <laughs> <laughs> so there's three things which I want to talk about today. One of them is a call to action um, about the Modern Slavery Act in New South Wales. Mm -hmm. And we so did the politics in the pub about that, didn't we? We did yeah. politics yeah. in the pub. So there's an important petition on the New South Wales government website at the moment, and there's less than three weeks left to sign it. And it's about anti-slavery laws. And last year we did have politics in the pub, fair trade and free trade. And one of the speakers was Alison Rahl from the, she's an executive officer from the Anti-Slavery Task Force in the Catholic Archdiocese of Sydney. And she told us about the most extreme forms of wage theft, which is slavery and human trafficking. And both are still occurring in Australian businesses and in our supply lines as well. So in 2018, June 2018, different political parties and interest groups came together and they actually passed the New South Wales Modern Slavery Act in New South Wales. So you'd think, well, what's the problem? The problem is there's one more step needs to be taken before it can actually take effect. It hasn't been proclaimed yet. Um, so it's now more than two years since the legislation was passed and it's not yet come into force because Premier Berejiklian has refused to proclaim it. Really? And oh, and wow. So that she's on, on what grounds? Yes, exactly. Uh, How does she justify uh, it? Yeah. I don't she's know. She's pro-slavery. Well, can, she, can she justify it? And has she has it said in the past when all this was going through that, yes, this is important. And So in other words, the, the Premier has to proclaim it for in order for it okay. to be passed. Yeah. So, so there you go again, executive power. Yeah. yeah. You rarely hear about proclamations because they're basically just signing off on legislation. It's mm. basically a rubber stamp. Mm -hmm. But the reason it's important because a proclamation determines what date the legislation takes effect from. Ah. So it can't actually be enacted until we know what date it's going to start from. Right. Um, do we know, do we have examples of the kind of things that would be stopped under that? Like, for instance, working in, in prisons or any kind of work without a decent pay? Does it specify? I think it's more about supply lines and- Okay, um, so which companies? And things like um, people getting temporary visas, like visa, you know, hanging oh. onto people's passports and- Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, that's so yeah. really the human trafficking and people The human trafficking yep. side. Oh, okay. um, so when legislation is proclaimed, the legislation comes into force either 28 days after a cent, so that's when the Governor-General signs off, it, off on it, or on a date appointed by proclamation. The Minister then places an announcement in the Government Gazette shortly before the commencement date. Um, so while, and until that's actually proclaimed, the most vulnerable workers in our community are currently unprotected under New South Wales legislation. We did post a link to the petition on the Blue Mountains and uh, Unions and Community Facebook page a couple of days ago. So I really encourage people to uh, go onto that. It's not a change.org one, mm -hmm. which I personally have problems with change.org. It's actually a petition on the New South Wales Government parliamentary website. It's an official petition. If, they, if we get 20,000 signatures, 
it triggers a debate in Parliament and hopefully it'll trigger very deeply to actually do something about it. <laughs> in other words, back down or... Or just do it. Or it's, just do it. Yeah. Do it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's passed I, through Parliament. All, yeah, the, all she exactly. has to do is sign off on it, mm. put an announcement in the Gazette. That's really worrying, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That our Premier will you, not sign off on an anti-slavery bill. That both parties have agreed to and yes. worked on. and yes. yep. Yeah, all parties concerned. It would yep. be very interesting to have her explain why. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Okay. So that's, so that's the first bit news. of news. <laughs> yeah. um, the second bit of news is better news. Uh, a Sydney bus strike was planned by members of the Rail, Tram and Bus Union, and that's been averted. The proposed strike was a bid to force the government to sit down and listen to a range of concerns, including the management of health regulations on public transport and the privatisation of the bus network. Uh, so yeah. the government has now agreed to organise genuine community consultation on the privatisation of buses and you know future routes, that sort of thing. We'll wait and see whether they actually stick to that promise. Mm. Um, and they've also agreed to fund a large-scale public awareness campaign on the wearing of masks. So bus drivers had a problem with, um, there's a limit to how many people can get on a bus but it's not enforced. And to be honest, if mm. I was a bus driver, I don't want to be the policeman telling people, you know, that's... that's um, yeah. No, you don't. And it's it's That's a way to get someone to punch yeah, you. Yeah, it is. I, I agree. <laughs> a public awareness campaign. But anyway, drivers decided to call off the strike because they feel like they've made their point and they did understand that taking strike action is a last resort and that it would have badly impacted on their passengers. Mm. Uh, it would have ma actually made people more vulnerable. There is a website called transport.org.au. So that is actually um, sponsored by the Rail, Tram and Bus Union. And it's for just for ordinary citizens. So if there's a campaign that you're interested in regarding public transport, that's the place to go. Things like, you know, if you're against privatisation of the public of public transport, that sort of thing. So um, that's another, that's an action that you can take. The last thing is um, pandemic leave, which I actually spoke about last week. This is a bit of an update. Now, you might recall that last week, if you listened in last week, I couldn't find out much about what was happening with disability support people in the, working in the disability sector. And there was a good reason for that. There wasn't much, much to find. So workers covered by the Social Community Home Care and Disability Services Industry Award and the Ambulance and Patient Transport Industry Award are only entitled to unpaid leave. So that's not much of an incentive to stay home if you're in one of the last paid, most insecure jobs. So these people work for people in their home, in group homes, that sort of thing. Yeah, just, just to, um, just in case people weren't listening last last week, or, or to remind us, what is the current state of pandemic leave? It's a, it's a federal it's, or state. It's or? complicated and it's confusing. Right. Um, so, um, in Victoria, there's a payment called pandemic disaster payment, and it's ba basically a disaster payment like bushfire payment. Yeah. It's paid by Centrelink, it's $1,500. Not everyone's entitled to it, so one of the things is you have to actually have no income. You can't have, a, you can't have your work cut back and have a little bit of mm -hmm. income. You've got to have no income to be eligible for it. And have you got to be 
um, isolating, self-isolating? Yes, right. yes. Okay, yep. It is good in that if you're... Um, the problem with sick leave is if you've been tested, you don't, you're not, and you're not actually sick, mm. and then it turns out that you're negative, then you're not really entitled to your sick leave. But the pande this pandemic leave pay disaster payment covers that. So mm -hmm. it covers people who have been tested and they're just waiting for their results to come back. Mm -hmm. You can't get it if you're under 17. There is one good thing about it, which is better than the job seeker and the job keeper payments, and that is that temporary visa holds, holders are actually eligible for it, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's also... So is it hard to access? How do, do people just go to online? To claim it through Centrelink, so I'd say it's probably an, un, it's probably an online okay. claim. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have um, to provide... Probably some kind. Okay. Yeah, medical certificates, or there, there's there are sets of circumstances. That, um, okay. You've been your workplace has been shut down by the government, or there's a few different. Yep. I'll actually um, post this on our Facebook page. I'm getting a lot of this information. Actually, last week I looked up the information myself, and then this week when I was trying to find out more about the disability workers, Unions New South Wales very kindly <laughs> sent a newsletter oh, with all this information in it. So that's a good thing to sign up. But the COVID-19 newsletter, it's also got information about um, safe work practices, uh, links to organisations that you go, can go to for, say, mental health, all that sort of thing. So it's a pretty comprehensive sort of newsletter. It's worth getting an email. At the beginning of the pandemic, the Fair Work Commission varied about 100 modern awards to include Schedule X, additional measures during the COVID-19 pandemic. So among other things, that provides for two weeks of unpaid pandemic leave. So that's the, another thing. There's paid pandemic leave, which some workplaces have. There's also unpaid pandemic leave. Um, did you, do you know something about it, Amaru? No. And another thing that, another thing that you can get under, this, um, under these awards is um, with the agreement of your employer, you can get double, you can double your annual leave that you take, but at half pay. So you're still paying for it yourself, basically using up your annual leave to, to do that. So that's unpaid leave. Now, so this did help in that increased, it increased job security, but it doesn't help with loss of income with um, unpaid leave. On the 29th of July, the Fair Work Commission further varied the aged care award the Nurses Award and the Health Professionals and Support Services Award to include paid leave for people who work in aged care. That still, in, that still excludes people who work in disability services. Unions and industry groups have been calling for paid pandemic leave for all workers as an essential public health measure. On the 3rd of August, the ACTU Secretary Sally McManus and the Chief Executive of the Business Council of Australia, Jennifer Westacott, released an open letter to the Federal Attorney General, Christian Porter, calling on the Federal Government to urgently introduce and fund paid pandemic leave for all workers to combat the spread of COVID-19. 
The letter is the spread of the virus in Victoria as an example of why the leave so desperately needed. In Victoria, 80% of the cases have started in workplaces. So paid pandemics, it's, yeah, it's such it, a common sense thing. It is. Yeah. Because it's, it, yeah. it, it's the, and it's the people who are in those positions who are hands-on, who are on the front line, yep. are the ones that stand and mostly to have on no money. Low income, That's insecure right. work, working across multiple sites. Yep. It's just a recipe for disaster. So if you, yeah, I mean, what do you do? Do you, you can't stay home for two weeks because you don't, you can't pay rent and you can't eat? Yeah. Well, also too, I mean, it's a disincentive to get tested because that's right. You know, <laughs> yeah. Why would you ask exactly. for bad news? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We actually published a copy of that letter on our Facebook page a couple of weeks ago when it came out. So if people are interested in having a look at that. So on the 18th of August, the Fair Work Commission declined to extend paid pandemic leave to the disability sector and ambulance workers. On what grounds? Um, the full bench expressed their provisional view that the material currently before us is not sufficient to demonstrate that it's necessary to vary the, the SCADS award, that's the acronym, or the ambulance award in the manner proposed. So the Australian Services Union and the Health Services Union have um, sought leave to present further evidence. So their work, they're still working hard on trying to get paid pandemic leave extended to disability sector workers. Um, I, I know. It's it's what, what kind of evidence do they want? <laughs> are, are they? It's just beyond yeah, yeah, comprehension. Yeah, it, it, is, really it is. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Go ahead, Deb. So if you want to take action on that, the ACT is um, encouraging people to write to their local member. So even though our local member is a Labor person, still write to her because that, that supports her case when she goes to Parliament. She can say, you know, people in my electorate support this idea of paid pandemic leave for everybody, including disability workers. Um, the website is www australianunions.org.au slash paid pandemic leave. So if you go to that site, there's like a, a pro forma email which you can edit. It is better to edit the letter. The, they tend to not take much notice of pro forma emails, but if you um, put your own reasons in for why you think it's a good idea, that's good. And then it will actually send, you don't have to then look up the local member's email address. It'll, it'll just send it to the right address. Great. And um, so I'll just repeat that. It's www.australianunions.org.au slash paid pandemic leave. And I'll put that on our Facebook page as well. Great. Yep. Great. Yep. A any more good or bad news for us, Deb? Or? I did say a brief thing from the Disability Royal Commission yeah. today. And they don't seem to have been keeping track of how many people with disabilities of caught COVID-19. Mm. There, uh, there, were, there were figures announced. Yeah, just didn't know the answer. That was the aged care sector. It's a different Royal Commission. Well, there was that, <laughs> because there's this intermittent in reporting and it, it sort of seems to sort of go between different newspapers, there's always this 30-year-old this who dies. And then when you try to find out more about it, either, no, 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 we found out later they were 70, we found out this. But at one point, one article said, that it was a person with in a disability home that had died, yep. but they couldn't say whether they died from COVID or with COVID. So, and then 
you know, it just gets eaten up by the news again and the figures start to skip you know, a bit blurry and there's a lot of... And if they're not tracking this information, it's not surprising that the Fair Work Commission doesn't have information they need to make a decision about... Yeah. I kind of wonder if there's, there's information they prefer not, not to track sometimes. <laughs>